Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome to the Simply Vegan podcast, brought to you by the team at Vegan Food and Living, the UK's best-selling vegan magazine. I'm Holly Johnson, and each Tuesday I get together with my colleague Molly Pickering to share what we've been eating, what's got us thinking, and the new products that are worth trying. And don't miss our Thursday podcast, where we chat to some of the leading names in veganism. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we'd love it if you hit the subscribe button as it helps us to rate in the charts. It also means you'll be alerted to every new episode of your favourite podcast. If you're anything like me, life can quickly become chaotic and finding fresh and nutritional vegan recipes can become another thing to add to the to-do list. Our best-selling magazine, Vegan Food and Living, is on hand to help. You can join us today and try an issue for just 99p by visiting veganfoodandliving.com forward slash podcast or using code podcast when you order with us. You'll not only receive the magazine to your door, but also have access to thousands of plant-based recipes at your fingertips in our digital magazine archive, which is fully searchable and simple to use. Join us today and make cooking delicious vegan food that bit more exciting by visiting veganfoodandliving.com forward slash podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by The Vegan Kind, the home of plant-based shopping. The Vegan Kind is the UK's number one plant-based supermarket. With over 5,000 products in stock and next day carbon neutral delivery, it's a one-stop shop for all your shopping needs. From daily essentials to those hard-to-find artisan vegan items, it has over 200 vegan cheeses, meat replacements and dairy alternatives, cruelty-free beauty and sustainable household cleaning with all the top brands you'd expect. Join Kind Club and get up to 75% off thousands of items and four free deliveries per month for just $4.99. Shop at thevegankind.com, the home of plant-based shopping. 
I am so excited to be joined by actress Alicia Silverstone today, star of 90s classic Clueless and countless other films. She's also author of two books, The Kind Diet and The Kind Mama. Um, sadly, I'm not in LA with you, am I, Alicia? I'm in cold, grey England. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's beautiful. <laughs> Is it nice and sunny out there? Yeah, but it's cold, but it's cold. It's cold, so know that. But it's not gray. It's quite beautiful. The sun is doppling over the trees. It's really very oh, beautiful. Amazing. But it is cold for us right now. So you're here to talk about your new podcast. Um, it's the Real Heal with iHeartRadio. But first, let's go back to when and why you first went vegan and how it's impacted your life. Well, first, let me say that I'm so excited to be here with you um, talking to people who are new vegans and um, and long term vegans is just like my people. And I love you. So thank you <laughs> for doing everything that you're doing. Every one of you who is making this choice for your body, for the world just thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, why did I become vegan? Is that the question? How did I begin this journey? Yeah. So I was, um, my mom who's English and my dad who's English, but my mom really was an animal lover. We would see dogs on the street and they would need homes and they would be running and they'd be scared and we would run after them. I mean, sometimes on the freeway, like a maniac. Wow. So, and I was little. And that was probably not safe, but we did. <laughs> That's what we did. My mom and I were rebels and um, we were so, de- so determined to help these dogs. And so my love of animals really was through dogs and my mom. And I also think that every child has that instinct, right? To love animals until they're told they're not supposed to. But uh, I've had, there were a lot some of my, revelations happened in England, to be honest, when I was little, but a lot of it just was watching myself love my dog. And what happened was I remember when I was about eight years old, we were in England and I heard, we were in the country and I heard the crying of these creatures and I didn't know what was going on. And then we figured it out. And a farmer told us, oh, that's because the baby cows are being taken away from their moms. And that was just so crazy to know. I mean, I was eight, so I don't even know how I processed that, but I knew that that was not okay. And so then, and I understood that that was for milk. Yeah. You know, that's what they explained. But I went, we went home on the airplane from our trip because we used to go to England for every summer for two or three months at the summer break school. And I would go to Camp Beaumont, which is very different now and is not the same as it used to be, but it was this camp. Anyway, so um, so when I was on the plane going home, I they they fed me lamb, I believe it was, and my and my brother was next to me and he started making the sounds of the lamb. And I'm grateful that he did that because, you know, as annoying as it was, it made me understand. I didn't ever occur to me that the lamb was actually lamb. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? It's crazy, like, isn't it? It's just one of those things that you're you're fed food so you don't think about it. And when if when a child recognizes the chicken they're eating is an actual chicken, it's a very disturbing concept because yeah, we yeah. love animals. So so anyway, I uh I stopped being I I decided I was going to be vegetarian right then and there, but I had never met a vegetarian at that time. I was 8 years old, never met a vegetarian, not that I was aware of. And so I just thought that I'd eat ice cream and french fries and, you know, <laughs> And I don't know what else, pretty much ice cream and French fries. And that that was going to be my diet, which is obviously not very healthy. 
So from eight to 21, I would say I did this dance of trying to be vegetarian, not really knowing what I was doing and having nobody around me that was doing it as well. And then when I was 21, I saw, by then I had rescued my dog, Samson, who I fell in love with. And he, you know, he laid, he slept in bed with me. He was my whole world. I kissed him all the time. Basically he was my boyfriend. How (laughs) could I hurt, you know, the connect? Then I started to make the connection of why is this animal okay for me to love so much to sleep with, to make out with, to be with whatever. (laughs) But I the same creatures, cows, pigs, chickens, these other creatures that, you know, a a turkey was sitting in my lap the other day, purring, you know, they're like cats and in the way that they just sit on you and go, "Mm." and then, you know, pigs love when you scratch their bellies and their little legs start going, you know, doing that thing. And cows are so playful and sweet. And so I, started to recognize why do we decide that those creatures who are the same as dogs in terms of their desire to live and their and their desire not to be harmed and their ability to feel pain they're exactly the same as our dogs so why are we giving our dogs all this beautiful treatment but torturing and enslaving and murdering these creatures butchering these creatures these other creatures and that to me was just such a hypocrisy so i i had a meeting with peta because I was working with them since I was, I, don't, I was an animal lover from such a young age. So I was working with PETA at um, the age of 15 or 16, I think, doing anti-dissection campaigns and things that were easy because they were obvious to me. I was having a meeting and they were telling me all this stuff and I just got so outraged and I kept saying, well, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? As if they weren't doing everything. I'm the <laughs> one. And so I went home feeling really guilty, like, they're doing all these things and I'm really the problem. It's me. I, I Here I am asking them to do this, this, and this, but if I continue to eat these foods, I am going to be the problem. And that was the first time it hit me like a brick. And now I had other people around me. Clearly I could, you know, PETA, my friends at PETA were, were clearly vegan. So now it was something that I understood. So I went home and I said to my then boyfriend who turned husband, who's now my son's dad and not my husband anymore. I said to him, we were together for 20 years. I said to him, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to stop eating all of this food. And he said, okay, I'll do it with you. Cause he said he loved piggies too. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> he did it with me until he didn't, he stopped at some point, but we, right. we, we started that journey together and it was, um, it was really amazing and it changed my life. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. I, I feel the same. I mean, once you, you know, once that kind of light bulb's gone on, then there's just no going back, is there? So you're raising your son vegan too, aren't you? Um, yeah. Just, you know, watching videos just on like your YouTube channel and your Instagram. You've got such a lovely relationship. So I've got a little boy who's, he's 10. I don't know how old your son is. He's 10 too. Really? Um, yeah. Unfortunately, my son is not vegan. Um, as much as I'm trying, because I wasn't vegan when he was born, um, I kind of missed that opportunity. But I'm, yeah, he's he's very much trying. That's good. Yeah, exactly. It's just the start. Um, does your son enjoy cooking? He loves it. He lo- He actually made me my dinner last night and it was fantastic. I mean, I'm going to tell you that the refried beans were already made. We'd made the, I'd made those earlier. And, um, but what he did was he took refried beans and vegan chorizo and he mixed it all up in the pan and saw, you know, uh, made it really warm. And then he 
he put the blue corn tortillas over the fire. He made, I had already made the pico de gallo earlier. So in his, you know, he had a few parts already made, but, and then he made, um, he sliced up the avocado beautifully. He slices an avocado nicer than I do. It's really embarrassing. And, um, and then he put the whole thing together with, and he put lime. Um, we didn't have lime. He was using lemon and squeezing it all over there. And he put, and cilantro and he handed it to me. He goes, here's your dinner, mommy. And it wow. was so, it was so sweet and lovely. And sometimes he really invents things. He's not as in the mood. He, he went through a mood when he was about eight, where he was cooking all the time, we're inventing things and making it so beautiful. And, um, but his tacos were way prettier than I make them. I mean, he's really good at presenting food in a beautiful way and his presentation, his presentations on point and his food is delicious. So <laughs> yeah, he's good. Bless him. That's amazing. I need to play this to my son and tell him he needs to up his game. The way that I think it, 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 you just involve them in all of your cooking, you know, instead of my mom used to exclude me from cooking and I love my mommy and she's gone. I don't have her anymore. But I remember when I was little, she would not like it when I was in the kitchen. It was, it was very inconvenient because we're messy. Right. And I was probably very messy because I still am. <laughs> and, uh, so I, uh, but but I remember being allowed to cook once or twice when I was little, but I really involved bear in all of it. Since he was, when he was really little, he'd have a little apron on while he was naked. So you'd see his bum from the behind, you know, and he'd be up there cooking, you know, squeezing the lemons or squeezing, you know, cooking in the kitchen with me. It was so cute. I have this picture of his little butt from behind. And, um, yeah, because he's got an apron on and you just see the butt sticking out and it's, he's probably three or two and a half working in the kitchen. And I gave him, he started using a knife very early on because I knew how to make it safe for him. I knew that um, keeping them away from everything and limiting everything is not how we move forward in that direction. So yeah, I think, I think having them cook with you is really helpful if they're interested, you know, involving them in whatever process. My mom used to always send me out to grab the, um, the mint from the garden, unfortunately to put on the lamb, but 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 sending you out to get to gather the food and bear, can you go get the cucumbers from the garden? You know, that sort of thing. I think it just really makes them part of it. And he just loves it. Yeah. You're not kind of what you would call a stereotypical kind of Hollywood actress, are you, in that sense? Like you grow your own veg. I saw a video of you with your tea towels. They were like in tatters because <laughs> you hate waste. Um, and, you know, I think there's obviously um, a stereotype that someone in your position would just go out and buy some new tea towels. And, you know, why would you have or you you were using old sheets cut up, weren't you? So yeah. I love that. I had a dress, one of my dresses that I got in France and Provence, I, I think for nothing, like $20 was the most beautiful. I loved it so much. It was just a Mew Mew kind of thing, but I could wear it all, I wore it all the time. I was obsessed with this thing and it just ripped and ripped and ripped. And I still wore it when it was ripped. It was ripped down here. It was ripped down there. And I just kept wearing it. And then it was just too ripped. Then it was just too ripped. So I turned it into tea towel, you know, little hand towels, but um, they, I do that all the time, turn sheets into tea, tea towels. And, uh, and it's really, I like reusing. I don't want, I, my mom was really, really good about not wasting. She always said, remember the war, remember the wool. <laughs> and, um, and I, so I learned to not, I, I, and she was very anti-materialism. So I feel like I learned a lot of that from her and 
she didn't even know that she was being an eco warrior. She just was, it was just, it was because of the war because of growing up with no money and not having things, you know? And so I've really loved that. And I, I've never wanted to waste and I'm really mindful. I, I don't buy any clothes unless they are used first. I go through cross like different used outlets. The real real is this great one we have in our, I don't know if you have that in, in England, but I'm sure you have something like it. It's a sort of fancy used clothing. So all the designers send, you know, and stuff ends up there, but so you can have fabulous clothes. By the way, the suit that I'm wearing, I have to go to an event today. The suit that I'm wearing was a suit that I was given by Armani when I was 19 years old. And I gave it to my mom because I didn't like it. After a few years, I didn't, it wasn't my style anymore. So I gave it to my mom. And when, when I was going through her things, I found it and I'm now wearing it. And it, I can't believe I gave it to her. I'm so happy I did. But I, it's fantastic, this suit. I don't know what was I was thinking. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I'm always reusing everything. And if I'm buying something new, I do buy um, eco clothes, you know, things that are made responsibly. And you have quite a good amount of those in England. I end up sometimes having to ship some things from England, yeah. which is not so eco. But um, I always want to support the eco designer. And that's my way my brain thinks is how do we reuse everything? And I have had to have friends tell me, you need to get rid of that shirt. It's stained and ripped. <laughs> oh, okay. And then same with the tea towels. I finally got rid of those because they just were too broken. I mean, at some point it's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were threadbare. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's amazing, you know, especially with, you know, your platform that you have. I think you've got like what, nearly 2 million followers on Instagram. And just, you know, when people can look to you and see someone like you doing things like that, it's really inspirational. And you do start to think, hang on, why am I using paper towels? Why aren't I using cloths? Or, you know, why am I sort of supporting fast fashion when I'm vegan? You know, it's kind of all these next steps you can take, isn't it? After, you know, um, sort of cutting out animal products and things like that. Um, Let's talk about healing. So your podcast, The Real Heal. It's all about healing ourselves and healing the planet, isn't it? Do you think the two are connected? Yes, 100%. I mean, what a great question. Um, I think that when we feel good, we can be good to others. And when we feel good, we can understand the necessity for others to heal and so then we can put our focus. It's it's like if your cup is full, then you have so much to share, right? And our spirits are lighter. We're happier. We're more kind to people as we walk by them. I mean, how many times have you walked by someone and their vibration is so low and so un- upset and so that you just, they, they won't even look at you They're and, and they're so, you know, you feel for them and, but it also can feel painful that that interaction with another being where you go oh because what can you do you they're they've gone by the it's like a flash but i think that the more that we feel good in our bodies we've slept well because we've eaten well we've um we've rested and we are listening to our hearts because the act of going vegan and then if you start not just being vegan, but in my book, The Kind Diet and in The Kind Mama, I talk about a lot about eating healing, nourishing foods because we can eat vegan chips and 
you know, ice creams and candies all day long, but we're not going to feel good. Is it a better act? Is Are we going to feel good as because we're not participating in this horrific industry? For sure. That done. But in terms of nourishing ourselves and having our bodies feel their best and vibrating on the high, having the highest vibration that we need to do through healing superhero foods that I talk about. So, you know, brown, you're eating your whole grains, you're having your beans, you're having um, uh, all your veggies. And sometimes if you can get good seaweed into your life, I have some good recipes for seaweed in my book. That's so good for your skin and gives you so many minerals. And um, so eating a balanced, nourishing, healing diet will allow you to feel like a superhero, which is why I call it superhero in my book. And when you feel that way, you can then have more energy and vibration to do everything that you need to do. And you can also hear your heart more. You can hear what you need. You know, you can follow your instincts and make the choices that are best for you rather than kind of, sometimes we can get so, I, I mean, I used to be so, waste so much time in my mind going through things over and over again, pros and cons. Should I do this? Should I, ah, the madness where when I stop doing that and I just put my hand on my heart and on my belly and no, don't analyze a thing and just ask myself, should I have dinner with John tonight? The Instead of going, I mean, that's a really ridiculous example, but <laughs> perhaps it's like, should I go do this play I'm in the West End in England? That was a decision that was <gasps> my head. <sighs> when you just go inside your heart and your tummy, they, the answers are there when it's all not gunked up with nasty food. I feel like your body just tells you things. And so you can ask yourself um, that. And and get answers and and then go on your path. And anyway, so I think that how it's connected to healing the our communities, that's what we're talking about on the podcast. So I have, I walk through like the first episode is very much about self-love and what does that really mean? And how do we do that? How do we love ourselves? And then the next one is about how do we do that with our bodies? How do we love our bodies? How do we take care of our bodies? The next one's about how do we love our children? How do we be gentle parents and kind and and really patient and give them really what they need so that they can go off and be little warriors, create little activist warriors, right? And then the next one is, you know, it goes on and on and on and unfolds until we're at a bigger, broader picture of how do we heal the world. And the, the idea here is in terms of communities, so there's how we do it to ourselves and our children is probably the most vital. And then what when, you're, when you've got that under your belt, then you can look at, okay, great. Now, how do I bring this to my community? Pinky Cole is this woman in Atlanta who started a restaurant called um, Slutty Vegan. And it's, <laughs> Love it. Have you heard of it? Um, only through the, your trailer to your podcast. Yeah. Okay. Well, it is all the rage. Slutty Vegan. I've been hearing about Snoop Dogg goes there. Uh, Justin Timberlake goes there. All these people go there. Everybody goes through. You can't go to Atlanta without going to Slutty Vegan. And all the people who eat meat know about Slutty Vegan. And I'd heard about it and heard about it. And finally I went and, you know, you're standing in this. Usually it's a terrible long line. I got so lucky that line was not long at all, but you're standing in line. And they're playing great music and 
you get inside and it's just, they're all vibing so high. Everyone's so mission driven. They're so happy and excited. And the feeling is so good. And the food is delicious, but she is not only bringing this to her. This was a food desert where she started this restaurant. So she's healing her community. She's bringing food to people. She's working with the people who live there. She's not pushing them out. She bought a building there and she's creating a new, she's, she's bringing the community back to life. So that's an example of how something that is for her, it, 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 it ticks off so many boxes. It just does so much for our community. And, and then the, the man who, um, Ali, who did Seaspiracy, I learned so much from him. I learned so much from his film being a vegan for 20 years that I didn't know. Mm maybe 25 years. I don't know, but, uh, my math's off. Um, <laughs> I'm getting older and older, I guess it's 25. <laughs> um, so yeah, he, so those are the kinds of people and, and Peter Singer speaking to Peter, Peter Singer and Ingrid Newkirk and, and Kevin Smith, who, um, you know, almost died and he saved his life. And then Mackie, um, who's the, who's Serena Williams and Venus Williams, um, trainer, he helped them with their food and things like that. And anyway, they, they had health problems that they, they really fixed through their, through going vegan or trying. I don't think they're all the way vegan, but pretty vegan, veganish. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll take, I'll take it when people are almost all the way vegan. That's way better than no vegan. Exactly. <laughs> yes. It's the way to go, isn't it? Lots of us doing it imperfectly rather than just a few of us kind of. hundred percent, hundred percent. It sounds amazing. I can't wait to listen to it. Um, what does healing look like for you on a personal level? Because I'm guessing, you know, I mean, everyone goes through difficult times in their life, don't they? And I'm guessing finding fame at such a young age must have been difficult. Yeah, I think that my love for the earth and my love, well, mostly my love for animals, which led me to my love for the earth, which led me to my love of people and understanding that we're all these creatures that need, you know, 9 million people die a year of hunger it blows my mind and we don't even think about it or talk about it. That is an extraordinary number of people that we could have been feeding, but we're feeding the animals instead. And it's an inefficient use of resources. So, you know, to make that one steak for that person, you could have fed an entire village of people. This is outrageous. This should be every, this should be every day. People like marching in the streets about this. People are dying of hunger while we're feeding cows. It's not no sense. So my passion for this sort of thing kind of took the place of the unrest I was feeling in being famous. It was very odd and uncomfortable and I was very young and um, I didn't understand any of it. It had never been, there's no, there's no, unfortunately there isn't really a school on what do you do when you become famous. Yeah. And then I didn't have access to any, I wasn't connected to my industry. I was very isolated at the time. And so I didn't, have other people around me who had experience with it. Had I had that, I think I would have fared a bit better because there would be mentors and people to say, oh, well, this is what you do. And this is, and and perhaps get some therapy, Um, all those kinds of things. But instead I really put my heart and soul into my belief in healing the world. And that made sense to me. And that, that really was healing for me and, uh, and helping others. I mean, Watching people, when I wrote these books, The Kind Diet and The Kind Mama, and having people, one woman stopped me after seeing a play and she was in tears. And she said, I read, I couldn't get pregnant. And I read your book, The Kind Mama, and I got pregnant really soon after trying everything you said. And 
here's my, you know, she showed me a picture of her baby and like nothing feels better than that in the whole world. Nothing's more healing to me than that. Or when someone comes to a book signing of the kind I had ages ago and then shows up like when I'm doing another hard, hard copy, um, hardback, hardback, hard copy. Yeah. Hardback. hardback. <laughs> Sounds so weird right now. Um, you know, signing it two years or three years later and they, they, I don't recognize them. And they show me a picture of me with them years ago. And now that how they look now and they've lost, you know, 75 pounds and they tell me they have no medication anymore. And they're completely, their doctor took them off all their meds because all of their blood work has changed. Like the healing that's possible is so extraordinary. And that makes me feel so good. I, I just, I love being a part of this solution and not a part of the problem. And I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I do, you know, I have hiccups too. I would say I'm 99.9% vegan and every blue moon, something happens that jumps in my mouth and usually jumps in there because somebody's going to throw it away or, or I've had a glass of wine. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> um, but I, I still consider myself a vegan warrior because I don't think it makes sense to crucify myself for that when I know that I'm doing so much. And I, that's what I would just say to ev- anyone who's not on this journey yet, which it doesn't sound like most of your listeners are, but, you know, just to be kind to the people who are, if, you know, all, anyone who makes a change is embrace it, celebrate it, be excited and proud about it. And then you can keep slipping in new things. Um, a friend of mine just gave up fish, but hasn't given up animals yet. <laughs> and I'm like, interesting, but I'm so happy that he's given up fish. He's given it up because he saw Seaspiracy and he understands the big picture now. So now I'm like, what's the next document? I had a documentary party at my house where I made everyone dinner and we watched Seaspiracy together. Amazing. And now I'm going to have another one. What movie should I show them, do you think? Cowspiracy, it has to be, doesn't it? I mean, everyone cites that as, you know, the reason they went vegan. All the game changers, if they're into kind of fitness. Yes, I think <laughs> one of those would be the way forward. And um, so now we're going to have to have that party. And then I'm sure that, that friend is going to give up that. But it's like step by step. I didn't crucify him and say, well, why wouldn't you eat cows then? I just said, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Next argument. Next argument. Right. It's just planting that seed, isn't it? I love it. Because I, I think sometimes when you first go vegan and you find out all these things, you're kind of like, I need to tell the world this right now. Like everybody needs to know, you yes. know, like my mom, I'm, she's vegetarian. And I, I was like, you have to give up dairy, mom. It's really bad for you. But if people aren't ready to hear that message, it's actually has that sort of opposite effect. So I think it's just slowly, slowly. And and like you say, it's such a good message to give that if you do slip up and eat something, you know, by accident or whether you've had a few glasses of wine and you just go, sod it, I'm going to eat that cheese pizza, Um, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I have been there. I think, you know, that it's such a barrier for people to going fully vegan because they think I can never, ever eat a prawn again, or I can never, ever, you know, do, do whatever. And I think if they know that, if I've known years ago that that I could slip up now and again, and it's not the end of the world, then I think I would have gone vegan a, a lot sooner. Um, I mean, what what did you learn most from recording this series? Oh, I'm just trying to think. I mean, I learned a lot from watching Seaspiracy, my prep work on it. Well, I can, I don't know how much I'm learning, but I'm really 
uh, because I'm talking to people that inspire me and have inspired me over time. I think what I am practicing is what I'm enjoying is really listening to people tell me their ideas. And I've always done that. I'm a very curious person. I've always, you know, these are the conversations I've been having all along and to be able to share them with other people. Like, so for example, the first episode, I'm talking to my friend, Mary Walden, and she's one of my best friends in the whole world. She is so funny and so smart. And when we talk, we just go off on the world. That's, we talk about healing it. We go on long walks. We go on trips for a week together where all we do is talk about how we're going to change the world. And this is just what we do. It's part, it's our friendship. And she's a therapist, not my therapist, but a therapist. She's just my friend. She lives in Chicago. And anyway, when I asked her to be on the podcast for the first episode, the reason I did that was because I wanted people to hear what it's like to be with, like what, what, what my world is like so that hopefully that could, so that they could feel very comfortable in these conversations and feel really relaxed and really going to get a flavor of what it is in my world with my friends, because this is my dearest friend. And we are just talking about what we would talk about anyway. It was impossible for us to only do an hour. We had to like, because you could talk about it for five hours, you know? (laughs) And um, so, yeah, it was, I guess I'm just really excited to share the way my brain works and the questions that I have about things. Like one of the questions I have for you when you started talking about your mom is, so what is it that we can do? What do you think we can do to help someone to come on board with that? If she's not like, rather than just sort of, cause I know what you're talking about, that thing where we go, I need you to be vegan now. And like the, the world's on fire and it's real because it is rape, murder, fire is what we should be screaming in the streets, but we can't because it doesn't do anything. And so how do we cultivate this? Right. So I was wondering when you were talking about your mom, what it is that we can do. Is it bringing her the most delicious vegan cheeses and just sort of cooking for her and all the things she's finding out all remembering all the things that are her favorite cheesy things and then bring her the vegan version of it, not really talking about it, just, hey, this is just something I'm giving you and getting her sort of turned on to it, the tastes and the things, and then eventually sort of saying, yeah, this is this is a better, healthier version for you to have and not making it about anything other than the deliciousness and then the healthy version. And then at some point when, I don't know, when when are they ready for you to go, Oh, and by the way, here's what happens to the mommies and the babies. <laughs> like, I don't know when that is. Sometimes I'm really blunt and it just comes out. And sometimes if it comes out with humor, I know, I know it's hard to talk about murder and slaughter with humor, but there's a way sometimes where you can just kind of be like, yeah, you want to, I don't know. It comes out with my friends where I can just say, oh no, it's fine. Go ahead murder that. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah I know. I do the same with my mom. I'll be like, oh, you know, it's like, sort of drinking from a cow's udder or something and she'll be like Holly that's horrible stop it but she she won't face the reality of it but I think that's a great idea I need to start giving her it's mainly chocolate with her oh that's easy. yeah it's easier than cheese I think <laughs> but my mom was very English I don't know if it's an English thing but my mom was very stuck up about it, it had to be milk chocolate she wouldn't go for the dark chocolate yeah exactly that's a tough one well maybe yeah. she gets vegan except for her dark cho- her chocolate and that's yeah. all she 
and that would be okay. Yeah, let's go for that. <laughs> Celebrate that. That's massive. Yeah. Exactly. It's been absolutely amazing to talk to you. We are so privileged to have you on the podcast. And um, yeah, thank you, Alicia, for everything that you do. And hopefully, um, well, we'll definitely be listening to your podcast very soon. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate everything you're doing. I love that you're vegan and that you have this amazing podcast. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to Alicia as much as I did. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to hit subscribe and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Instagram at Simply Vegan Podcast. See you next week. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 